Hello, and welcome to episode 239 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for Sullen Misanthropic Adolescent Receives Time-Based Strength. Whoa, good one. My name is Rudiger Q Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor, and your name is... Julia Gulia of Internet Fame-Podcaster. Correct. So there's no news this week, Whoa. so we'll go straight into our comics of the week. Okay. What was your comic of the week? I picked Swamp Thing New Roots issue number eight. Are you impressed that I remember that this week? Mildly. Oh. <laughs> uh... I loved the, the storytelling of the Fifolet, which we have been following in several issues. I like the sort of backstory, the deepening of uh, Swamp Thing's own origin story and how it tied, how the Fifolet ties into that. Um, I love the writing. I love the art. I like the weird sort of ethereal way that he connects to the world. And, and I, I like the, um, I, I don't know, I just like it when... It's a good guy that he's dealing with, and it's not always a bad guy um, that they have to, you know, fight all the time. And so this was a very nice issue where he was encountering um, an entity that actually was doing some good. And I don't know, it was good. It was a nice story about redemption, about doing your best with what you've got, about um, trying to, I don't know, just trying to be good, trying to be better. And I just really like that story. So... All in all, it was wonderful. And the, the prisoner character that they were uh, helping to reach, you know, his home, you know, having left it so long ago, and then his life sort of took him away from there as well. Um, and then the sad ending, and oh, it was just, it was all good. Yep, I like that story. Very good. Yeah, Swamp Thing continues to be awesome. How about you? So I picked Harley Quinn number 73. Nice. So I'm really enjoying this current storyline in Harley Quinn with her, so she's... She's kind of on a bit of a world tour walkabout thing, yeah. uh, trying to uh, forget about the tragic passing of her mother. Yeah. So she's try- sort of losing herself in various pursuits. And she got involved in like this underground wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. And then the woman, a single mother who she befriended there, one of the other wrestlers, died suddenly. And yep. she suspects murder. And so she's investigating it. And she uncovers this whole ring of like metahumans and neo-Nazis and and shady business deals and all this other stuff she gets um like romantically entangled with booster gold of all people which is kind of playing off their 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 sort of relationship from heroes in crisis Mm -hmm. i guess where Mm -hmm. they kind of like each suspected the other one of murder yeah um but yeah but it's it's really like I, i i really enjoyed i really enjoyed sam humphrey's run on this because it has a lot of the wackiness of the earlier run toned down somewhat but to me it has a lot it has more heart like there's more character development and heart it actually reminds me as much as people were speculating the harley quinn cartoon was going to be very similar to the old palmiati connor run i actually think it has a lot more in common with this current run right in the way that there's wackiness and and sort of violence but there's also like a lot of actual heart and character development and it's not just a series of wacky things that happened right which was sometimes what the Connor Palmiotti stuff would descend into occasionally, I felt. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were putting out so much of it for a while there. I mean, Harley Quinn was bi-weekly, and then there were various spin-off miniseries and specials and everything. Like, it became its own little cottage industry, and I felt like it really... It came close to, to me anyway, kind of running it into the ground. This was a little bit before. I mean, you read when they started, when they picked up again with the New 52, and there was some of that. Mm-hmm. But did you read, like, the Gang of Harleys spin-off and the one where she teamed up with... A, a different superhero every month. Did you did you read some of those? I can't remember whether that was just before the your gang time of or Harleys. After. Like, 
where some of them were just blatant, like... Well, yeah, there was Harlem... Harley right, and Harlem Harley Bolly and, Quinn and yeah. did, you, did you read that series? Yeah, I, did. Yeah, I can't remember. If, I couldn't remember if that was before. Anyway, yeah. like those were fun characters and everything, but I like this more streamlined, more mm-hmm. character focused version more than I like the, the sort of wacky. Yeah, I like the end of that series when the stories got a little bit more real. Like she goes on kind of a vengeance quest, and the the various wacky characters they kind of get more serious parts to play. You yeah, remember I'm this? I remember whether that was the and end that was of all the part Connor of the Connor Palmieri oh, run or the sure. beginning of this one. I honestly can't remember. I don't know, but they used the characters to great effect when they were making the whole series where a mother is uh, on basically a path of vengeance for the murder of her I, son, and she kind of yeah, and Harley helps her reach the head guy in charge of all that happening. I think that was the end of the Connor Palmiotti run because unless I'm off by an arc, I, thought I it was think them. that Humphrey started his run with the whole thing where she had to go through various trials. Right, that was like a different story cosmic, arc altogether. Yeah. yeah. I think that was Humphrey's and like, first run. And she went through her, Apocalypse and right. she met Tina there, which was the, you know, right, the big exactly. monster from Apocalypse that she befriended. Mm-hmm. And there was like the Tamaranian that was like her Jiminy Cricket that was helping her with right. her trial. And then meanwhile, you had Adventures back and with the same cast of characters from last time, but they didn't really get as much work or depth. Yeah, I mean, characters like Like basically the, their the, big concern was that the rent was due. All the weirdos that she would hang out at her, like... Like her, like big, big Tony, mm-hmm. like the the little person that's like her, her handler almost, like her her friend slash manager, roadie basically, yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, the, there was a, like the goat boy and mm-hmm. and the egg, eggy and yeah, and there was like a genie at one point and mm-hmm. and the the Deadpool, what was it, Red Tool, the Deadpool ripoff, <laughs> like so good. I mean, so those characters are fun, but they're all pretty surface level. Like I I enjoy the more character focused stuff we've been mm-hmm. getting recently so i and so i continue to enjoy yeah but no, i'm i'm saying don't knock Balmiati because the, no i mean the they, ending of that arc was actually really their run almost single-handedly propelled her to her current i mean now she's yeah. headlining movies she's got her own tv show and it's largely on the back of that because mm-hmm. you know the the tim Deeney stuff was almost it, 30 years yeah. ago now and that obviously made the character a fan favorite but it didn't rocket her to the current level of stardom she has now yeah um yeah. it was i think it was I'm not sure how you would like apportion apportion it like in terms of pieces of a pie, but a lot of the credit goes to Connor and Palmiotti. And then a lot of it also goes to just the simple idea of when the New 52 started putting her in the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Because that was what led her to be in the Suicide Squad movie, which is what, even though that movie kind of got critically panned, was sort of her breakout mm-hmm. thing in terms of, you know, the the main, the, you know, the, pop culture consciousness like the the general public being aware of her who didn't mm-hmm. grow up watching batman the animated series um so yeah yep so you ready for your quiz oh i'm ready okay so i've been this week, studying coach i'm going to quiz you about one-off simpsons characters i'm so screwed okay, okay so i'm going to name quantify a, char- a one-off simpson character Were they, they only in appeared one, in one in episode just the one one yes, episode right. okay so no I, like two-part arc or anything weird like that okay there's only been a couple of two-part Simpsons episodes in its entire 30-year run, actually. So, no, that would be that would be very rare. All right. Um, so, I'm going to name a character, or if they didn't have a name, I'll, I'll you know, give you the closest there is to it. And okay. then you need to tell me what episode they were in. It doesn't, again, like like with the last time with the quotes, it doesn't need to be the episode title or whatever. But you I just need to be able to say, oh, that the, was the right, Mr. The Plow plot. episode or that yeah, was okay. the whatever episode. Okay? All right. So, some of these are easier. Okay, so number one, Hank Scorpio. Oh, um, well, that was the one where um, you know, Homer went to work with Hank Scorpio, and then he finds out at the end that he's a giant sort of, not even a mob boss, like a, a villain, a cartoonish, like James Bond villain-esque villain. That's right. 
Yeah. Yep, you got it. Okay, number two, Mr. Mm-hmm. Black. Oh, that was Camp Krusty. That was the Camp Krusty episode. Right. Mr. Block. Yes. All right. Number three, Mrs. Burns, a.k.a. Mr. Burns's mother. Oh, hang on a second. Was this the search for Bobo? No. The, the teddy bear that he lost when nope. he was a kid and he's having flashbacks? No. No, it was the one where it was, I think the name of the episode was Homer the Smithers. It was the one where Smithers went on vacation and Homer became Mr. Burns' new assistant. Oh. And he had to feel. He had to feel a call. Feel the call from his mother. Oh yeah. Right. Yes. Sorry, I just spaced out remembering that episode. Wow. Number four, the Cayman Islands banker, (laughs) aka the guy that says, (laughs) "Oh crap." It's too hot today. (laughs) So, what was that episode about? Oh. Because I know you remember that bit, but do you remember what the episode was about? Dear Dankmas, give me more information. Um. Oh crap! It's too hot today. Uh. Was this, wait a minute, was this the same? No, I'm conflating two Dankmas bits. Well, I was literally I mean, about to say like. He's done multiple bits from the same episode before, so maybe you're on the right track. Um, Is this the episode where Krusty goes missing and the kids track him down? And he's well, does been he go missing? And, is that what actually right, happened? Well, he disappears. Um, Why? I can't remember why. Um, I'll give you half a point. He fakes his own death because he was caught in this massive tax fraud thing, right. which is why the government was calling the Cayman Islands guy to find out whether he'd been... Right, Dancing Pete, and he gave him a nickel. Yeah, okay. All right, number five, Godfrey Jones. <laughs> See, now I'm remembering Young Justice, the one that was voiced by Tim Curry for a hot minute, and then, okay, Godfrey, but the Godfrey Jones... No, no, so sorry, he was that the host, name does nothing He was the host me. of the TV news show Rock Bottom, who had Homer on as a guest when he was the subject of mass ridicule and protest because he was accused of sexually harassing the babysitter when, oh. they, in fact, all he was doing was peeling it was a gu- gummy bear. Gum, gummy yeah. Mr. Milo off of her butt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, number six. Mm-hmm. Number one. That's not helpful. Number one? I... I have no idea. You give up? I have to. That was Patrick Stewart's character in the Stonecutters episode. He was the leader of the Stonecutters. Hence the name. (laughs) Right? Was it really his name? That's tremendous. Really? Yes. Whoa. I think that's just a coincidence. I I understand what you're getting at, but I think it was just a coincidence. No, I called number one because he was the. Number one. Yeah, obviously, but still. Oh, my God. That's so good. No, they wouldn't pick that specific nomenclature if it weren't for a Star Trek reference. No, that was a deep cut. No. Don't forget, Next Gen was still on the air at the time. It hadn't really become... Another reason to make the reference. sounds, because it seems like it was a lifetime ago. Another reason to make that reference. Mm, I still think it was a coincidence. I I bet I could look that up somewhere. All right, number seven. Oh, my God. That's so good. Monsieur Lacoste, a.k.a. the French waiter. I don't know. No, I have no idea. I, was Patrick Stewart really only on there one time? Yes. Oh, that's a pretty iconic episode. Um, okay, French waiter. No, I got nothing. That was the one where Freddie Quimby was accused of beating up a French waiter, and Bart knew, had had witnessed the crime or lack of same, but couldn't come forward because he'd been skipping school. And so uh, it was his moral dilemma whether to come forward and, and uh, admit that he was serve as a witness and admit that he'd skip school and be punished by Principal Skinner or keep silent. Do you remember? Nope. That I was the one where I Homer was. I saw in, this. I know you can read my thoughts, boy. Oh, was that this? Was, yeah. 
Whoa. A grotesque. I am not some clumsy Clouseau-esque waiter. That's funny. All right. Chowda. Say it right. Remember that? Chowda. Chowda. Say it right. I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you, especially <laughs> those of you in the jury. All right. Jeez. Number eight. Roy. Huh? Put a sock in it, Roy. Put a sock in it, Roy. Mm. No? No, it's not jogging in your memory. That was in the Poochie episode. Remember, as sort of a met, as sort of a meta commentary on shows desperately adding a hip character to yeah. be relevant again. Mm-hmm. In that episode, and only in that episode, The Simpsons had a hip teenager with a backwards hat and sunglasses named Roy living with him. That's so. And funny. at the end, he goes to live on his own in a in an apartment with two sexy ladies. You remember? No, but that's great. Okay, number nine, Joey Jojo Shabadoo Jr. <laughs> that's the worst name I've ever heard. No. I don't know. No, that was the one with uh, Mindy, whom Homer fell in love with at the or had a crush on right. at the nuclear plant. Uh-huh. When when Homer was confess was trying to confess, um, while rem- his uh, his feelings to Mo was trying to confess to Mo oh, what he was right. going through while maintaining so his own name. anonymity. He said, "Mo, I've got this friend named Joey Jojo Junior Shabadoo. Right? You remember <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that was actually the name of a guy at the end of the bar. This is me explaining Simpsons jokes now. Yeah. Right? Do you remember? No. You don't remember that whole bit? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Actually, I think this is wrong. I cut, literally cut and pasted it from the article, but it was Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo. I, I'm almost certain it wasn't Joey Jojo Shabadoo Jr. So that's, you know, take that, whatever the heck site it was. All right. Number 10, Lyle Landley. Lyle Landley. Occupation? I don't know. Raconteur? What do you want me to say? I don't know. That would be a hint, wouldn't it? Well, I thought I'd see what happens. Try to shake the pinata loose for more hints. No, I got nothing. I, that give, names, names and I do not get along. He was the guy that sold the monorail to Springfield. Oh, was that his name? And Ogdenville, North Haverbrook yeah. was the third one. Brockway? I Brockway, don't know why Ogdenville. I leave this lying around, yes. <laughs> By gum, I put them on the map, and he holds up a map, and it's cruelly drawn, and it only has those three cities. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> so you got, I don't even know, you got about two, half. You got two and a half. Two or three of those, yeah. I got like two and a half. Bad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But, all right. Yeah. Now for our shows? Yes, time okay, for our so shows. so we've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Stargirl, and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this was a fun one. They oh. go, they're in the 50s now. Yeah. Um, in Area and, 51. And God help me trying to pronounce this name. And Enver Gojach or something like that is think is probably how it's pronounced. I know that I've got the Enver part right, but Daniel Sousa, you're looking at me like you have oh. no idea what I'm talking about. Daniel Sousa from uh, Agent Carter <laughs> shows up in this episode. And the way it's left, I, he, he's probably going to be in the next one too. Right? I think they, so. They don't jump forward again. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, do you mind? Do you mind a minor spoiler? Go for it. Um, I guess it could. Be, I guess it could be minor spoiler. Everybody, there could be gaslighting. Shut your ears for the next thirty. There could seconds be gaslighting everybody. In. But somebody asked Haley Atwell on Instagram if she was going to be in this final season, and she said no. Whoa. So unless they're gaslighting everybody, it seems like I guess <laughs> that was so anticlimactic. Um, <laughs> she said no. Okay. <laughs> well, because we were speculating last week that they, yeah. it would seem like they wouldn't want to end the show without having her appear one more time. Yeah. But well, I guess okay. she's not really their character. You know, she's. You know what I mean? Like she was more of a Captain America character that they they had appear on the show. But how did she say no? Well, she said no. She said no. (laughs) The one word reply on Instagram that just said no. I mean, I don't really. Yeah. Um, That's pretty definitive. But but this was fun. It was fun seeing him again. So it's been like it's been a few years since Agent Carter ended, and so now he's got like a little bit of gray at the temples, Uh and now he's the head of the whole branch of Shield. Yep. So it's nice to see that he. 
he made good. Yep. Um, Peggy is no longer working with him on a daily basis. I guess depending on what timeline we're in, she's maybe yeah married to somebody at this point. Like I don't know, perhaps, um, or she's just off doing whatever. Because um, even even in even in like Winter Soldier, she had had a husband and kids, right? Yeah. It's just before time travel shenanigans, maybe the identity of of that husband changed or didn't, depending on whether you believe the directors or the screenwriters. Um, but yeah, so he's you know she's but she's still you know the head of Shield or one of the heads of Shield, so it's not like she got out of the game, but she's just you know she's moved up and she's doing other things, and so he's working without her. It was nice to see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see him kind of getting his due and getting respect instead of being so downtrodden throughout yeah. that whole that whole series. Yeah, that was nice. Um, and then our guys have a lot of you know fun. Basically, um, uh, Simmons gets to pretend to be Peggy Carter. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> they're really yeah. holding back Fitz for a while because it's only a 13-episode yeah. season and it's already been three episodes. So almost a third of the season has gone by and we haven't seen Fitz yet. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine they're gonna, we're going to see him soon, wherever he is and whatever reason we have for him yeah. not showing up. Yeah, and we're going to get an answer to how long um, Simmons has actually been, you know, t- traveling through time. Yeah. We're going to get some answers on that too. Yeah. Okay. And then May has her whole PTSD thing, mm-hmm. right? And... Um, Yo-Yo still can't use her super speed. Although she's getting closer. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like her her powers are somewhat manifesting. It's just that she's, I don't know. Yeah, she might be experiencing a d- PTSD in a different way. And right, because fun- yeah. since the Shrike, she hasn't been able to whatever, or might have something to do with her arms. I mean, we're, we're going to find out, so. And Coulson continues to fanboy out over pretty much everybody he meets this season. First it was <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt, or no, not Theodore Roosevelt. Franklin uh, Roosevelt, there right? You go. Wrong Roosevelt. FDR, yeah. The painting is on the wall. No. Um, <laughs> uh, Roosevelt, and now it's Sousa, right? Uh-huh. Who you probably grew up reading about. Yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking like, oh, isn't anybody going to recognize Colson? But of course, that's, that'd be stupid, no. right? It's <laughs> 50 years before he joined yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. probably. Yeah. Um, I guess not Dear 50. When, when, did, when did Captain Marvel <laughs> take place? Because he was a rookie then, right? 40 years. I guess about 40 years, right? Yeah. Early 50s to early 90s? 40 right. years before right. he joined S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, yeah, but it continues to be a fun season. And again, like it's fun when these, I feel like this is like a victory lap season, you know? And like I said, I always enjoy it when shows kind of do that. Um, Harley Quinn, this was another fun one. So she has to, she's got the Joker back now. She Uh brings the Joker back. But um, they even managed to kind of humanize him in this episode by having him kind of feel torn between going back to being fully who he was and the life, the sort of domestic suburban dad life that he'd made for himself in the meantime. It's kind of a, they, 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 thread the needle pretty well because mm-hmm. he still seems like the Joker but you can just you can just barely buy that this version of the Joker would maybe still want to be a super villain it, it's sort of if anything beggars belief is the fact that this woman would tolerate this arrangement but, but he seems to think that he can continue being an evil super villain while still having this home life mm-hmm. <laughs> right like in, on evenings and on the weekends or whatever mm-hmm. um, I don't know what sort of mother would you know prospective wife and mother would be like sure I'll shack up with the joker yeah yeah <laughs> because he's been good to me and my kids i mean I, i'm sure there's somebody out there but it kind of makes you lose a lot of respect for that character not that you're supposed to be terribly emotionally invested in the inner life of of that character but yeah and then there's more stuff with her and um the will they or won't they between her and ivy and ivy is i, I mean you, you feel bad for kite man i guess maybe the other thing is if I had to nitpick a little bit, it'd be like Ivy really seemed like she was in love with Kite Man, and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, it seems like the only 
pretty much the only reason why she wants to go ahead with the wedding is to sort of close the Harley chapter of her life and move on. It's like up until a week ago, you seemed like you had real feelings for this guy. Mm -hmm. And now it just seems like they're playing it completely for comedy and like, okay, like she only wants to marry this idiot because then she'll, you know, she'll be able to put Harley behind her. Exactly. So I hope that they come back to the fact that they really did have a a real connection by the end of the season. And whether she leaves him or not, that that is at least respected. Yeah. Here, here I am sticking up for you know I'm, <laughs> I'm the cartoon kite man Stan I guess these days is my is my role on this podcast. But Car- um, cartoon kite man Stan. But it's uh, you know but you know what I mean like he's yeah. such a, a lovable so, loser on the show that yeah. you kind of, you don't want to see him be completely heartbroken. I'm not yeah. sure which would be worse if she never loved him or if she did but left him anyway because right. she loves somebody else more. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, I so two episodes left. Oh, we get a bit more dark side in this one too. Yeah, Dr. Psycho that's calls so him up. good. Um, <laughs> dark side is late for a meeting. Right. That's the only thing he said <laughs> so that good. I think is like wouldn't be com- a joke. That would so seem good. a little out of. Well, he wasn't making a joke. I know. It's just that this version of dark side is a little bit more of like the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the haggard, the the haggard boss of the office, in addition to being you know scourge of the cosmos. Yeah. Um, and then Star Girl. This was a this was another really good episode. Star Girl was so, so we good. got Our Man and Doctor Midnight here. So yep. they're setting up uh, Beth to be the new Doctor Midnight. She's really eager to do that. The mm-hmm. whole thing with so, I mean here, you know, again, little little quick history lesson. But they they've really changed up, and you know, it makes it more visual. It makes it, it sets the characters apart more. I I understand kind of why they did, and it's Jeff Johns doing it. So I'm gonna you know give him a lot of rope in terms of trusting that he's not going to completely betray the essence of the characters mm-hmm. but they did change up these characters quite a bit not just our not just our you know Rick and Yolanda and Beth very different than they were in the comics but the entire all of the equipment and everything is very different too like Dr. Oh. Midnight you know he was blinded and then he would but he could wear these special goggles that would let him see only at night oh therefore um, midnight but and the fact that his name was Charles McNider, which is again oh. like one of those, you know what I mean? Like, what's the other? What's the other really? What's the other example of that? Um, I mean, Edward Nigma becoming the Riddler. It's like sure. your name is McNider and you become Midnight. It's like you know what I mean? It's McNider, it's a little, right? Oh, N A N I G H T M C N I D E R. But like oh. McNider and Midnight, it feels like some Not somebody somebody eighty years ago was trying to be a little clever. <laughs> um, whoever co-created Doctor Midnight, I don't even know. Um, but that was his whole his whole shtick, and they they were true to that here. But the idea that he's that he created these high tech goggles which mm-hmm. have like an Iron Man esque AI in them, yeah. it's like he was a surgeon. He wasn't going around creating AIs. Like that's that's I feel like that's a shortcut that TV shows take a lot. Where oh, this guy knows about science, he must be able to do all science, right? Like. You know, <laughs> Like John Noble yeah. on Fringe, like he was a physicist and yet he was performing operations yeah, and doing yeah. like, you know what I mean? Okay. If you're an eccentric genius like John Noble was on Fringe, you can kind of buy that he was a bit of a renaissance man. But yeah. Charles McKnight was just like an above average surgeon. He wasn't, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't a technological genius. Now, if Mr. Terrific had created something like that, because he's, his whole thing was literally the man of a thousand talents. Right. So I could maybe buy that for him. Like if his... You know, and in the modern Mr. Terrific, that's what they made him into was basically a genius who creates these AIs and the T-spheres and everything, right? That right. was a natural ex- – because that was a natural extrapolation of what the Golden Age Mr. Terrific would do if he was like in a modern context. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, so I, to me, you didn't need to make Dr. Midnight into like kind of our – kind of like Iron Man. Like that seems and – the, and, the, and the Iron Man thing is 
closer to the comics. In the comics, you've, you've probably encountered this sporadically, but our man would, he invented a chemical, a pill, Miraclo, right? He would mm-hmm. pop a Miraclo pill and he would oh. get powers for one hour. Later on, they introduced a thing with an hourglass, but that was the android hour man from the future. He had like parts of the philosopher's stone that was in the hourglass and that was like the source of his time manipulating powers but it didn't the hourglass never had anything to do with rex tyler's ability to have strength for one hour it was just a pill that he would pop that Uh would wear off after an hour i see so they've kind of he john's has kind of combined elements and he knows what he's doing i'm not yeah this would be no shock to him if i told him this that i noticed this (laughs) he's combined elements of different hour mans into something that's a bit more it's got a bit more of a hook you mm-hmm. know, and it's got the visual element of the hourglass yeah. that can react when it senses someone of the Tyler line nearby, yeah. I guess is what was happening. Um, so the the only the, what you lose when you do that, though, is some interesting stuff that they did with Rex Tyler in the comics that maybe they weren't as interested in exploring here because they already killed him off. Um, but there was a thing where Rex struggled, and especially Rick, more even more so than his father, struggled with addiction to the pills. Oh. And, and Rick, for, for years in the comics, was basically a drug addict. Until he kicked it and was able to develop a version of the Miracle Pills that didn't have the addictive properties. But that was like a major character arc for him. So, and I, which I can't really see them playing out the same. I mean, you could get like addicted to the power in the same way that any superhero yeah. could. But there's not the literal physiological addictive qualities of the pills that there were in the comics. Because the pills are not part of this. Right. I, maybe they wanted, so maybe he wanted something a little bit more visual. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he expressly wanted to avoid the sort of drug right, the allegory opioid, there. Yeah. Like it wasn't a story he was interested in telling with this version of the character, mm-hmm. which I understand. Um, but I just, you know, I thought I would point out that it's it's a pretty massive, more the Dr. Midnight thing than, than this. I mean, you've got Beth, who is the daughter of a doctor and seems like she's pretty bright, but she's mm-hmm. not a doctor or even a med student. So mm-hmm. she's her whole shtick is going to be probably just listening to doing with the AI, like using the AI to help her figure out things right? without any actual medical knowledge. So that's pretty far from any version of Dr. Midnight. And like I said, the Iron Man thing is less of a diversion. They just sort of change the MacGuffin of it instead of being a pill. It's an hourglass. But but the idea of, of Rick be, being troubled, right? you know, mm-hmm. um, and he did lose his father, although it happened when he was an adult in the comics when his father died in zero hour. But he was already a superhero by then. He was already the second hour man by that point. So uh. he wasn't he wasn't like seven or however old he was here when his when his parents died. Right. Um and Beth Chapel, I don't know much about her from the comics, but I think she was already a doctor or at least a med student by the time she became the new Doctor Midnight. Mm-hmm. So they've you know, everybody everybody here is pretty much aged down, except right. for Courtney herself, who was all you know, and Pat and like they're pretty much the same, but all of her teammates they were all, you know, latter generation JSA members, but they were in their 20s instead of their teens when they became superheroes. Right. Um, but it fits the theme of the show, you know. Right, again, exactly. Like this being this new younger generation. I don't I don't care that they age them down. I don't even, I'm not even complaining when I say that they changed their power sets, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, although the Dr. Midnight thing, I hope, I hope the, she at least proves to have, I hope that her shtick at least involves application of her own, like, science or medical knowledge that she picked up from hanging out around her mom. Yeah, that'd be to, great. to a problematic degree. Um, and not just like listening to the AI and doing what it says. You know, right. it's the same critique of like to draw an analogy. It's the criticism some people had in Spider-Man Homecoming, right? Where Peter Parker oh. is supposed to be the science prodigy himself, which he is in the movies. Mm-hmm. But he also spent a lot of that movie just like 
trying to figure out the the tech that Tony put into his suit or listening to the AI that put the Tony put in his suit instead of figuring things out for himself was right. a common criticism with that movie. And that was part of the arc he was going through in that movie that he right. had to learn to do. St- I, I understand the context, but that was a critique that some people mm-hmm. had of that, that he was too dependent on what he'd been given, you know. Right. And here again, also, I feel like with Beth, maybe that's a risk that they that they might run mm-hmm. with this. Instead of her bringing her own skills to it, she's just really eager and she's the beneficiary of like this s- smart older man who's dead mm-hmm. who, you know, so I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. We haven't really been given any inclina- any indication that she's got like this genius medical prodigy knowledge. Yeah, Aside we don't know anything she's related yet. to her. By all accounts, a, a very good doctor, but we don't really know. You know well, I mean? I mean, she's definitely a genius because with her GPA, it's astoundingly, it, it's pristine. Like, it's yeah, but that doesn't beyond. give. Li- I understand li- the literal book smarts. I you would need. know, I know. I mean, I, even if even if they just worked in some th- some stuff of like she's constantly like they have to tear like her her parents have to tear her away from her mom's medical textbooks or something mm, like. But there's yeah. there's been nothing of that. So just she's really smart. Mm-hmm. She hangs out with her parents a lot. Um, and that's this, and she's really eager, right? But we, I don't know. Like, I hope that she, the character kind of stands on her own, um, Mm -hmm. more than we've been led to believe she will so far. Otherwise, that seems like a little bit of a waste of, because the idea of Dr. Midnight, I always, he was one of my favorite characters in Jeff Johns' GSA run, although it was the second, third, sorry, the third Dr. Midnight, the, the, uh, Peter Cross version of Dr. Midnight in the GSA, in Jeff Johns' GSA run, um, I always thought that was cool, like, because he, he didn't have any superpowers. He had an owl, and he would maybe, like, shoot you with a dart or something with an anesthetic in it, but he was just a doctor. Like, he mm-hmm. was there He was there with all the other... He would go into battle with them, but his whole thing was just, like, he was the surgeon on the team, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he was... Just like every Star Trek... Every Star Trek show has got the doctor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That that why wouldn't a superhero team have a doctor? Like it makes sense, and it was cool. Like anytime anybody would get injured or they'd have their powers would malfunction in some weird way, he'd put like the surgical mask on over his regular superhero mask, and it was like so it, funny. It was, but it was great. Like I always wished they had him in the background of like a few Justice League Unlimited episodes just mm-hmm. to fill out the crowd shots, and I always thought it would be really cool if they gave him his own episode. Oh. But they got somebody like Noah Wiley, like somebody who plays a doctor on oh TV to God. voice him. That was like my dream episode of of uh, Justice League Unlimited. And I thought that the way they would do it was it would take place entirely on the Watchtower. Uh-huh. Kind of like the Booster Gold episode where you never see the real battle, really. You're just following Booster Gold and his sort of side antics. Right. This would take place entirely... Like, the whole team is down on Earth fighting, I don't know, Darkseid or something. Right. But you never leave Dr. Midnight's... I don't know whether you could do this on a kid's cartoon, literally have it be an operating room, but you never leave his sick bay right. and the Watchtower. Just new, new superheroes keep being wheeled in with ever more preposterous injuries and afflictions because they've been hit with the Omega effect or they've been turned into a vegetable by Mr. Or Mrs. Spitlick or something. And he's just got to deal with this parade of cre- They could play it. They could play it seriously, like a medical drama or they could play it a little bit for last, but he's just there having to constantly deal with all this ridiculous mm-hmm. stuff that he must see every day. And this is just one day in his life. And we never see what the rest of the team is actually fighting. It's all just from his perspective and mm-hmm. you never leave his sick bay, mm-hmm. but you get him to be voiced by Anthony Edwards or Noah Wiley yeah. or whoever they could get, you know what I mean? <laughs> I always thought that'd be a, or George be, Clooney. <laughs> that'd be a cool episode, but they never, they never got a chance to do anything with him there. But, yeah. but that's the cool thing. Like he's, he's the odd man out on, on these teams mm-hmm. because he can't, he's not, he learned a little bit, you know, to fight a little bit. He could, he could, 
acquit himself well enough that he could stay alive and, right. you know, like maybe use some judo or something so that, you know, to avoid hits and take somebody down and put them in a pressure hold or something. But he wasn't a martial artist. He didn't have any superpowers. He was just there to to treat the other characters. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was really interesting. And if they just turned Beth into like this mouthpiece for an AI where she's just like, expo- she's just yeah, delivering dude. exposition and general scientific knowledge and technological expertise and projecting holograms. That's a little bit of a waste of that legacy, I feel like. Right. Because I really enjoyed reading about that character. And he was also, they had, he and Mr. Terrific had like this really great friendship that developed Aww. really gradually because the Peter Cross version of Dr. Midnight, he was deeply religious. And Michael Holt used to be, but... Um, uh, but gave up on all that for for you know forsook religion after his wife died in that car crash. Mm-hmm. She didn't want anything to do with religion or God or church or anything like that. And it was this really sweet thing where they become friends and gradually, um, Doctor Midnight got him to sort of open up to his spiritual side a little bit more. And there's one scene where he, they actually he actually got him to go to church. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I'll give this a try. Like it was just like a really sweet friendship between these two guys who had science in common, mm-hmm. and they you know one mm-hmm. of them had faith and the other didn't have faith and they you know what i mean Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it was such such great stuff that was just very gradually doled out over years in this comic about them developing this really close friendship i really like that and so i don't know i i have a lot of affection for that character even though he's been largely forgotten now and you know the beth chapel version is in the comics in the show so i don't know if we'll ever see that particular version again Hmm. um but i hope they they do some stuff like that or something well whether there was whether there was like some other dr midnight in between Charles McKnighter and Beth Chapel, I don't know. I but. feel like it it could come up very organically because Pat could be easily telling them about their predecessors and I feel like that 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 legacy is owed um a deeper I think they might story, work the reference they might reference him maybe as like an old protege. Maybe he even shows up on the show as like an old like intern of Charles McKnighter's or something, like a medical intern or a med student that was working with him. But I don't think they're going to have him become Dr. Midnight on the show because I think they're committed now to the Beth Chapel version, which is fine. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, but they could work it in kind of like they worked in like a, a, a little Red B reference in this past episode. Yeah. Or the way that the Smallville episode, just you just having watched it, the Smallville episode with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, really managed to work in the Dan Garrett version really briefly by just mentioning him mm-hmm. that he had been someone who who the beetle had attached to right. scarab attached to and he died yeah like but they got ted cord dan garrett and jaime reyes to in various degrees episode. all in that yeah, one episode yeah. and i you know i feel like they could do something like that like beth chapel could could you know strike up strike up an email correspondence with this guy that maybe we never see you know and well, i forget where he's from was he from norway or or i forget he was european anyway he wasn't um, just another American, which I always thought was interesting because he had this whole diff- sort of different bearing and everything. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah, and he had, and he worked in, uh, what was it? Um, what's the name of this this town I, that he worked in? It'll come to me in a second, but he had his own sort of fully painted miniseries that introduced the character, and he was working, before he became Dr. Midnight, he was working in like, this, like a Leslie Tompkins type thing, like this mm-hmm. inner city clinic, and he had his sort of network of um, helpers Mm-hmm. That would like there was the guy that would always be really like really good at getting information like information f- like you know a snitch like he'd be really good at getting information on like the local crime activity and another another person who would be really good at helping him with this thing another person so he had like this little supporting cast around him that would all help him in various degrees with this clinic that he had, mm-hmm. like this network that he had developed mm-hmm. to allow him to do his job and not you know mm-hmm. not be killed or bring down the wrath of the mob or and continue to so he had like his whole little thing I always thought that was cool. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of cool stuff about that version of the character, but anyway, yeah. Well, 
But it was a good episode. I really liked this episode too. And I like that um, Rex, Rick Tyler, like you were mentioning the episode before that, how um, the the character probably doesn't have the same last name and they're probably not related. It doesn't seem that way. But now they gave him uh, such an intricate backstory um, where it is that uh, Rex Tyler's son taking up the mantle and they tied it to his DNA. So that's even more interesting. It, I think it's, it's interesting smart. too. That's yeah. I think it's interesting also what you were talking about off mic, I think, or maybe last week's show. I can't remember, but um, you were saying that it would be very smart of the show to have it revealed at some point further down the line that Stargirl is actually not Starman's daughter. I think um, the payoff of that would be interesting that it doesn't really matter her, who her father was or something. Um, but I, I like that in this episode, she believing, you know, her parentage uh, uh, being what it is and him um, mourning, still mourning his own parents' um, accident and now it's discovered murder. Um, I think that it's interesting that they were able to connect on that level. You know, like this is the legacy uh, carrying on and, and you have a cha- choice to do anything. I love the dialogue in this one. I like the scene in the tree between the kids. Um, and I love how his anger is revealed and how nicely he articulates it, which for a 17 year old is pretty, pretty competent articulation, but Hey, um, I, I definitely wasn't that smooth or in touch with my emotions at that age, but I, I didn't hold it against the characters for, for being able to speak what their feelings were. Um, I really enjoy the show. I really just love it. There was another thing that I was going to say, but I forgot what it is, so I'll save it for next week. <laughs> well, what I'll say about what you just said is that especially if Courtney's going to be revealed to not be related to Sylvester Pemberton, yeah. then I think it's smart to have one of the new generation on the show that is actually the child mm-hmm. of someone from the old team. That way you've got a nice Because you know the Injustice Society is going to be polluted well, with, not, well, well, <laughs> with not, the spawn of the well, bad But guys. I mean, just, just for the variety, because Jeff John's whole thing, especially in his second JSA run, was that these legacies are going to carry on. And because there was a villain, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think, um, well, for a while there were there were like this group of neo-Nazi villains and their, their whole thing was they were going around and they were going to try to kill the children of all the, like all the families oh. the, so that there could be no more, I think, well, it was the, it was the Commander Steel legacy and it was the Haywoods that he was going, that they were going after in that. It was the one that introduced Nate Haywood. Oh. Um, but they were going around killing the families and they got like Mr. America and his wife or something like that, like other characters that you, you haven't heard of, but their the whole thing was they wanted to end the JSA bloodlines so mm-hmm. there, there would be no more JSA. And the whole point of that arc was it doesn't matter. You could kill all the family members, but someone is still going to pick up these legacies. It doesn't have to be blood. Like, mm-hmm. they completely missed the point. Yeah. So I think it's cool that here you've got, you know, Yolanda and Beth who are sort of um, – who are not related at all but sort of have – they they have stuff to learn from the ethos of their predecessors. You know, yeah. like Yolanda has has like this, this fighter's – heart to her Mm -hmm. because of the stuff she's had to go through but she could stand to learn even more about you know fighting back and standing up for Mm -hmm. herself and not being knocked down and you know beth things that beth as we get to know her more presumably can learn maybe in terms of confidence and in terms of a certain you know from Mm -hmm. from the previous doctor midnight so you've got there people who aren't related and here you've got courtney who is not blood related to starman but is the stepdaughter of stripesy and then Mm -hmm. you would have rick who's this biological son of our man so you've got like a nice mix of people who are related and not who are inspired by or adopted or by not, yeah. or, or related by mm-hmm. um 
and then maybe you get a mix of it's it maybe it's discovered that one or two of the older heroes are still out there too and if not at least you've, you've got pat still right yep um so you've got a nice mix of different you know different things if, if every if it was just a story about the the kids of the old team yeah um or just a bunch of people that found their stuff mm-hmm. um there have been stories like that too of various kinds and different different superhero comics but i think it's important for this thematically to have it be a mix that these legacies can be carried on for, for for a bunch of different reasons by people who are blood relatives, relatives by, you know, marriage or not relatives at all. Even someone who up until like a Kyle Rayner type who didn't even know really who Green Lantern was until someone literally hands him the ring. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it can take all, all kinds, but that's, you know. Yeah. That's the 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 power of this, and it doesn't really like you know. And they could juxtapose that with the Injustice Society, who spent years like grooming their children to be like reflections of themselves, right. not really letting them stand on their own, but of saying we have to do this for our children. We get to decide what the next generation is. I mm-hmm. talked about this sure. last week, but we get to decide what the next generation is going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The whole point of this show should be. Nobody gets to decide that. They get to decide it for themselves and they get to choose what they're going to take and how and to what degree they're going to, you yeah, know, yeah. owe any part of themselves to the previous generation and how and they get to decide the rest of it for themselves, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so Rick can decide to be as much like his father or not as he wants, mm-hmm. you know, and Courtney can decide to identify more with Sylvester Pemberton or Pat Dugan, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's her choice. And, you know, same with Yolanda and Beth, they can take the best of what their predecessors had and make it their own, you know, and they don't have to be shackled by, yeah, you know. So I think that's, I think that's smart. Yeah. And the bad guys are still up to no good. Brainwave Jr. is getting his powers because you heard Yolongado call him a jerk psychically. And uh, Fiddler and the Gambler are up to no good with that bus in the middle of the highway. So we have lots and lots of balls in the air. We can't wait for next week's show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Ooh, what was that? It was a punch. Oh. Yeah.